it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for your word today. Because it's alive. We can trust it. It can be believed upon and come through. And so give me a mouth, a heart, and a mind to articulate your word in a way that everyone who hears it will understand it, believe it, and activate it in their lives. And so I step back now for the Spirit of God to step up to minister to your people your word. And I declare in Jesus' name that signs, miracles, and wonders will be confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of your word coming forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. 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 God bless you this morning. Well, last week, Pastor Sarah spoke on God's He Provides. And the focus of her message was the name of God that we called Jehovah Jireh. Say Jehovah Jireh. Which means the God who supplies. So if you weren't here on last week, I want to encourage you to go to the podcast and listen to it. Or to go to YouTube and watch it as well. Now today I want to do a sequel to her message. So if you're taking notes, my message title today is Experiencing Divine Supply. Experiencing Divine Supply. And the goal of the lesson today is to teach us the different reasons of why divine supply comes and then position you to activate it and receive it in your life. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21. And then we're going to start in verse 9. And then we'll turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1. That was Genesis 21, uh, 21, 9. And then Second Peter chapter 1 verses 1. Now, divine supply can be defined as supernatural provision. Say supernatural provision. Now, I believe that this area of divine supply is very misunderstood by the average believer. If we are children of God, how many are children of God? Let me see your hand. If we're children of God then we should always experience divine supply. Do you agree with me on that? I mean, think about it. If God is our father and we are his children and he loves us, then we should always have divine supply anytime that we need it. How many of you would supply the need of your children if you not only had the ability to do it and you were willing to do it? How many would do that? Well, God is no different. He is willing because he loves us and he owns everything, which means now he is able. So here's the question. Why is it that we sometimes miss or don't experience the flow of divine supply? 
Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And after today's message, in fact, if you've never listened to a message at least five times, this is the one for you. Just touch your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. So turn to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21. Verses 9. And my goal is to articulate to you as believers why divine supply doesn't always seem to be flowing. Because if God is a God of supply, which the Bible says in Philippians, that he shall supply how much? All of our needs. Then why is it that sometimes we have needs that are not being supplied? Well, let's look at that. Genesis chapter 21, it says in verse 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which had been born unto Abraham, and he was mocking. Wherefore she said unto him, Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heirs with my son, even with Isaac. Now think about this. Remember, it was Sarah's idea for Abraham to sleep with this woman anyway. So now this woman has a baby. He's about, I don't know, 12 years old about right now. And so uh, he sees Isaac and begins to mock. So now Sarah says, Abraham, I need you to get this woman up out of my house. Well, let's see what happened. And the very thing, verse 11, was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said to Abraham, who said to Abraham? God said to Abraham, let it not be grievous in your sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto you, hearken to her voice, for in Isaac shall your seed be called. Do you believe? Listen, she told Abraham to kick this woman out. And God is now saying to Abraham, do what your wife is saying. See, sometimes your wife's irritation about your baby's mama has been approved by God. Well, so look at verse 13. I just thought I'd throw that in there. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is your seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. He took some what? Bread and a bottle of what? Water and he gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder and the child, and he sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, what's interesting about what Abraham did? Abraham was a very wealthy man. So why would he just send? He could have sent her out with some servants. He could have sent her out with some donkeys, some camels, and some servants, and all that. He just sent her with some bread and some water. God sees you're not getting proper child support. He sees that. But who are you gonna trust? Are you gonna trust God? Or are you gonna trust man? So the Bible, the Bible says in verse 15, the water was spent in the bottle, and so she cast the child. Notice it didn't say baby because he wasn't a baby. He was a child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down over against him a good way as if it was a bow shot. And she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and she lifted her voice. What did she lift? She lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard whose voice? He heard the voice of the lad. 
Now, I'm wondering, we know she was crying. I wonder what the lad was doing. He was probably praying. It's okay to cry, but sometimes you're going to have to convert tears into words. He heard the voice of the lad. Everybody say, love heard the voice. And the angel of God called to Agar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Agar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in your hand, for I will make of him a great nation. Verse 13, watch this now. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water, gave the lad a drink, and God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. So here's my first point. I have three this morning that I want you to write down. Here's the first point. Divine supply requires revelation. Divine supply requires revelation. Look in verse 18. Notice what it says. He says, Arise, lift up the lad, and hold, them in, hold him in your hand. For I will make of him a great nation. Verse 19 is the focus verse. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Everybody say, that's revelation. See, revelation is to see and understand something that you didn't see and understand before. Here it was. She's in a critical situation for her life. She's run out of supply. And so God has to give her a revelation that more is right in front of her. It's obvious she didn't see it because had she saw it, she wouldn't have sat down and cried. No, God had to open her eyes for her to see it. So the first thing, watch this now, that triggers divine supply is revelation. Everybody say revelation. Now revelation that we need to experience divine supply has two sides of it. You may want to write this down. Here's the first side of revelation. A revelation of God's love for me. In order for divine supply to flow into your life, you have to have a revelation of God's love for you. Here's the second revelation. You must have a revelation of God's ability to supply. Now, Go back and listen to Pastor Sarah's message from last week because his ability to supply is in his name. So just go back and listen to her message. Now, here's the challenging question. Just look at your neighbor and say, you better get this. Now, look at your other neighbor and say, if you go to napping, I'm going to go to slapping. Here's the question. If God loves us, Why doesn't divine supply seem to not be flowing all the time? How many agree that God loves us? Okay, if God loves us, let me ask you this, does he love us all the time? Okay, so if God loves us all the time, why doesn't divine supply flow all the time? I mean, the Bible even tells us in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he... That he gave. So God gives to us because he loves us. Well, the answer to the question is yes. Now, because God has unconditional love, his love for you and I to supply doesn't stop when you and I do wrong or make mistakes. Okay, I'm going to have to settle on this right here. Because some of us have a punishment mentality. I do wrong, I mess up, God stops blessing me. Well, 
if his love is unconditional, then that means his love or his supply for me doesn't stop when I do wrong or when I make mistakes. I mean, one day I'm minding my own business and then I'm going to see about God's business. I pull up at our, pro- pro- uh, our project, our construction site. I leave my car running and accidentally leave my key in the car. Well, a thief decides he wants to have a joy ride and steal my car. Well, whose fault is that, class? It is my fault. Here it was, I accidentally leave my keys in the car. The thief decides to leave. Well, does God love for me stop just because I messed up or I made a mistake? No. His love doesn't stop. And just like our love for our children doesn't stop when they mess up, God's love for us doesn't stop when we mess up. And because his love doesn't stop, that means his supply doesn't stop. And see, this is what I love. Romans 8, 28. This is what it says. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God. Watch this. And those who are called according to his purpose. God worked the car situation out. My car ended up being total. God's love and my gap insurance is allowing me to get another car. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap just right there. And what's even better? I now can get the car that I really wanted in the first place. Because he will work things together for your good, even if it's your fault. Just look at your name and say, I got a lot of faults. Come on, just look at him and say, I got a lot of faults. So here's the question. If God loves us all the time, then should divine supply flow at all times? The answer again is yes. And that's where getting a revelation of God's ability to supply comes in. Now, remember I said a revelation is what we need to trigger divine supply. Did you get that? It is a revelation of God's love for us, which we need to now talk about. Because, see, most people... They know that God loves them, but watch this. They don't really believe that God loves them. Amen. Now, I believe this is where the receiving barrier of divine supply gets clogged up. Now, in 2 Peter, go to 2 Peter. I gave you two verses. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1. This is where I believe the pipe of divine supply gets clogged up because most people they have a revelation and they may understand God loves them but then it's that revelation of okay well can God really supply for me now second peter chapter 1 is interesting because it's going to help us see that divine supply Has always been flowing. Watch what it says now in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant of uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that obtain like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Look in verse 3. According as God's divine power or Christ's divine power, they have given unto us all. Everybody say all. Notice it says, according as his divine power, those two words says, hath given. Not will be given. Not shall be given. 
It has been given. In other words, this is a past statement. It's not something that God is going to do. It is something that God has already done. He's saying God, according to his divine power, has already, watch this, given unto all of us all things, watch this, that pertain to life and godliness. What is he saying? He's saying anything that you need to live in this life and anything you need to live supernaturally uh, as far as a godly life, it's already been given. So here it is. Some of us are looking for divine supply to come when it's already been given. So what is the problem? I can give you, let's say you needed to borrow my car. And I give you keys to my car, which now gives you access to my car. But you will never drive my car until you take the the key that I gave you access to and use it to enter the car. And most people, they don't understand there is a key to access that divine supply. If it's flowing, because it is, then there has to be a key for you and I to access it and then enter because a lot of believers We have access, but we don't enter. Amen. Which now brings me to my second point, and that is divine supply requires expectation. Divine supply requires expectation. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we know this verse. I want to read it out of two versions. The first version is the King James Version. It says, now faith is... The substance of things hoped for. Notice it didn't say, now faith was, now faith is going to be. No, faith is always present tense. Why? It has to be for us to access it. I can't go back and get something that happened yesterday. I can't pull from the future because I'm not there. Faith has to always be here for me today. That's why it says the just shall live by faith is is always constant. He said now faith is the substance, the foundation of things hoped for. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. Another translation says it like this and I love it. It says faith assures us of things we expect. Faith assures us of things we expect, watch this, and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. So the missing ingredient to experiencing God's divine supply, watch this, is the activation of our expectation and our faith. If you have no expectation, your faith will not work because faith is the substance of what we expect. And this is why the enemy tries to stop most people from dreaming. Dreaming is free. Don't act like it costs you something. That's why he keeps people from doing it. There's nothing wrong with uh, dreaming that you're in a 2,500 square foot house when you're in a 900 square foot apartment. Amen. God's divine supply requires our faith and our expectation. 
In Matthew 9, 27, you all know the story. Two blind men were following Jesus, and the Bible says they were crying to Jesus, saying, have mercy on us. And then the Bible says Jesus turned to them and said, well, do you believe I can do this? These are two blind men. He says, do you believe I can do this? And then Jesus touched their eyes, and then he says something that's amazing. He says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Was it the touch that healed them? Or was it their faith that healed them? It was their faith. Notice what Jesus did not say to those blind men. He did not say, oh, according to your blindness or your circumstances, be it unto you. Because many of us, we want God to have pity for where we are. Listen, he will have pity and he will have empathy. But what's going to move you out of that situation is your faith. Amen. In other words, Jesus' touch activated their healing. But their faith manifested their healing. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 20, a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, she encountered Jesus. And the Bible says, the woman was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years. She came in, she touched the hem of his garment. Now watch this now. Here's the problem. I believe most people think that Jesus' garment is what made her whole. Jesus' garment did not make her whole. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. I'm glad he did. Did something happen? Because lots of people touched Jesus along the way. Now, most people believe that when she touched his garment, that's what healed her. But his garment activated her healing, but her faith manifested her healing. Because in verse 21, he said to her, Oh, wait a minute. Verse 21, it says, For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned around. He saw her. He said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Watch this. Your faith has made you whole. Not my garment. Your faith. See, if his garment was the thing that produced the healing, then you and I are at a disadvantage because he's not physically here for us to touch it. Now, watch this. So how do you and I activate our faith or our expectations so that the divine supply that God has already given can be flowing? Well, that brings me to our third and final point. That is, divine supply requires now participation. Now, let's just go back over this because I don't know if y'all are getting it. The first point was that divine supply requires a revelation. Point two was divine supply requires expectation. And then number three, our final point is that divine supply requires participation. Now let's go back to verse 21 of the story we just read. Matthew chapter 9 verse 21. Let's go back to that. It says, for she said, watch this, within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Let me ask you a question. What are you saying Within yourself. Just touch your neighbor and say, what you saying in yourself? What you saying? What you saying? Whether you know it or not, or whether you believe it or not, you and I have conversations with ourselves all the time. Some people have conversations like, well, you'll never add up to nothing. You know why? Because you've heard that tape from other people all your life. It's time now to change the tape. 
Because, see, God's tape, when it's flowing, you will hear his word. Oh, I am an overcomer. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ. See, when you start feeding your heart the word, then your internal conversations begin to change. Because most of us grew up in negative environments. So all we heard was the negative. So now this woman said, if she said, if I just may touch his garment, I'll be made whole. Now, let me tell you what's interesting about this. In uh, Matthew 3, 9, Jesus was talking to some Pharisees and some Sadducees. And this is what he said to them. He says, and think not to say within yourself. See, Jesus even confirmed you have internal conversations with yourself. Now, let me tell you something you may not have known. Your internal conversation is a result of your outward communication. You're only saying within what you've been saying without. So guess what? You and I have to make some changes. And I believe this woman always had faith to be healed. Because in another account, the Bible says that she had went to all the doctors to spend all the money and never got well. That means, watch this, she had an expectation of healing. But here's the problem. She was looking for it from the wrong person. And see, many of us, when it comes to divine supply, we're looking at what man has given us and we try to fit that into what God is doing. No, no, no. You cannot regulate God's supply to man's hand. And so at least she went to the right person. She went to Jesus. Amen. I'll just throw this in here for free. See, your perspective of your problems shape your perception of your problem and your perception of your problem influences your response to your problem okay i'm gonna say it in a different way your perspective or your viewpoint of your problems now now shape your perception of how you see and then your perception of how you see your problems will influence your response and our responses watch this are called action and what's another word for works Action. Faith without works is what? Okay, so now if my perception is wrong, then my response is going to be wrong. And if if I don't respond in faith, I won't see the results that I need to see. Amen. So your internal confessions are controlled by your outward confessions. Say this with me. Say my internal confessions are controlled by my outward confessions. Come on, y'all sounded kind of weak. Let's say it again. Say, my internal confessions are controlled by my outward confessions. God's divine supply needs the participation, watch this, of your outward confession for you to experience his constant supply. The supply is flowing. It's flowing all the time. But if my mouth is not in agreement with what his word says he has already supplied, then what I say causes me to miss the supply. And now we wonder or get mad at God when he had not, he's already done it. Amen. Every Sunday during the offering time, there is a confession that you and I make. It says something like this, Heavenly Father, I'm honoring you with the bringing of the first 10% of all my increase to you, along with the giving of my tithe and offering. Thank you for providing for my house as I provide for yours. According to 2 Corinthians 9, you always supply seed for me to sow. Therefore, I declare that favor, say favor, 
favor and all sufficiency in all things always abounds toward me so that my good works impacts your kingdom, my church, and the lives of others in Jesus' name. Now, I said that confession so you could have it on CD, so you can learn it by heart, so you can start believing because you can't believe something you haven't received internally. Now, see, they're going to throw up something. Uh, Something happened to our church this week. I'm not just putting those confessions up on Sunday to waste time. You know why? Because I believe that what you say, you will eventually receive. And so uh, something happened. We went down to the city. And let me give you some uh, background. We're going to build a second facility after we finish this one. Our second phase is actually a street drive-in from uh, from uh, Highway 360. So that's our second phase. Our third phase is another building. The building is going to be a spirit, soul, and body building. In other words, the top is going to be where we get counseling. It's going to be up there where we're going to have a, a library up there. It's going to be a place where we can pray. So if you always want to pray, you can go up to that intercessor. There will be a room where you can intercede and pray. We won't have to open up the big sanctuary for you to pray. And you can get up there and pray. That's the spirit. Then in the soul area, we're going to have like nutrition. You know, if you want to have a, a person that, uh, what do you call those people that, that help you, uh, uh, personal trainers and all that, we're going to have an internal track where you can run and have some weights and stuff. And so if you don't want to go to Lifetime, you can come to where the truth. The bottom level is going to be like a gym. It's going to be for basketball and for volleyball and all that. That's what I want to do next. Well, in order for us to do the next building, what we decided was to go ahead and run the fire line all the way halfway to that piece of property. Because, see, where we're building our church right now, that's only six acres of the 20 acres that we own. Okay, so we had to run that line, and we knew it was going to cost extra money to run the line. But it's easier and cheaper to run the line now than to try to come back and do it later, and you got to carve up all this cement. No, no, no. So we did it now. So then, it's time... You know, the city has what they call impact fees. Those are fees that the city charges while you're doing your construction project. And so it was a fee for running that line. It was time to pick up the permit. Reggie New York, he's sitting right there in the middle. He, they called him and said, well, you, you have to pay impact fee for that. He said, well, I thought we already paid that. So he gets down there. And, uh, oh, uh, yeah, that's another thing there, but uh, I'm going to come back to that. But so uh, here's the deal. The pipe that we ran on the plans was an eight inch pipe. Well, the impact fee for that was $84,500. And then the meter to make sure they know how much water is coming through that was another $20,000. So basically, we owe the city $104,500. Not hundred, hundred. <laughs> Reggie goes in there. He says, uh, where'd, you, where'd you get this number from? He said, how do we know this is a good number? She just pulled out the piece of paper and showed him, well, that's the number. She said, but you know what? I'm going to charge you all for a three-inch pipe. Which is $13,520. 
Divine supply is flowing. I have to get my mouth in agreement with it. And I got to say it and say it and say it and say it. And eventually I will see it. See, here's the problem with some of y'all. You want to see it too fast. No, 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 no. Just call me Mr. Patience. It took us 12 years to construct the church. So what? What is 12 years in relationship to God's perspective? The Bible says a, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So how many years did we really wait? Listen, I'll wait all day to get divine supply. Amen. I'm going to close with this story, which is interesting. There's a pastor who sat under me for a while. We sent him out to start a church. They're still having church today. Called me one day, crying, belly aching, complaining. Pastor Evan, uh, these people in this city, particular city, they, they don't know how to give and and uh, our offers are not good. And, and he hadn't even been pastoring a year. I said, hold on, brother. I said, you ain't been pastoring a year. Those people don't know you. I said, listen, if God, his assignment for your life and your faith in that assignment, if it can't sustain you for a year, you don't need to be doing what you're doing. His trust was in the people. And some of you, your trust is in your job. Your trust is in your boss. Your trust is in your baby's daddy. So he called me crying and belly aching. Here's the sad thing. You can hear somebody so much. You can know it but not be doing it. He knew my story. When I started our church... My confession then and my confession now is what's helping God supply. So I said, I said, so what you, what you, what you, what you confessing? He said, what, what do you mean? I said, what you saying? I'm not saying nothing. I said, well, that's an old song I know. Is it nothing from nothing leaves nothing? <laughs> I said, man, you got to put your mouth on that thing. Because watch this. Faith comes when we hear, but it is released when we speak. Here is why it's released when we speak. Because if faith comes and we, when we hear, faith comes by what? Hearing. If it comes when we hear, somebody has to be talking for us to hear it. So with faith, watch this. It comes when we hear, but it's released when we say it. So I said, man, what are you saying? He said, Pastor, I'm not saying nothing. I said, well, that's the problem. I said, so what do you believe in God for? To come in every week. He gave me this astronomical number. I said, you can't believe for that. He said, what do you mean? I said, because if you could believe for that, you'd at least be getting half of that in. I said, so I gave him a number. I said, you know what? Here's the number you're going to believe for. I said, here's what you're going to say. And see, some of you all ain't got... Y'all have heard me... How many have heard me say what I'm, this whole confession thing with, with uh, the whole tithing offering or how I did the church? You know, okay, here's some of y'all. Ah. All right, here we go. So I said, here's what you're going to say, because this is what I've been saying. This is what I said when we first started our church. Father, I thank you that Word of Truth Family Church is a giving church. 
And because we are, you said men will give back to our bosom. Good measure, pressing down, shaking together and running over. And so, Lord, I thank you right now that a minimum of $6,000 a week comes into our church in Jesus' name. I said, now, I gave him his number to put in there. I said, that's what you're going to say. Did you write it down? I wrote it down, Pastor. First week go by. He called me. Pastor Edmund, faith is working in this city. I ain't going to say this city because y'all will figure out who it is. Faith is working in this city. That amount came in this week. I said, well, praise God. Second week coming. He calls me up. Pastor Evan, faith is working again in this city. I said, well, praise the Lord. He called me the third week. Hey, Pastor. I said, man, what's going on with you? you why are you sounding like that? He said, well, you know, the amount that I've been confessing came in this week. But at the time, he was still bivocational. He was doing real estate on the side. He said, but most of the money that came in, came in through a tithe check that my wife and I wrote from a real estate transaction. I said, so now you want to discriminate where the divine supply comes from. Really? He was upset at the fact that supply came but he was discriminating where it should come from. What if Elijah had done that and God said, I'm going to send some birds. And he'd been like, I don't want no birds sending me some food. He'd have been hungry. You cannot be prejudiced. You cannot be a, pro, a, a prejudiced provision person when God is the supplier. And I believe today. See, that confession that I gave that pastor if I were you ask me what I would do if I was you I would start confessing my own personal income that comes in every week or every two weeks see that's how you know if you got it you ain't, if you ain't confessing nothing you ain't got it now see some of y'all are held up oh my I'm on my fixed income you know why it's fixed because your mouth is fixed I'm not going to wait for them to give me a review to get a raise. Are you kidding me? You better open up your mouth and begin to confess the word. How much do you? And don't, 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 don't do like the pastor did. Well, I'm going to confess a million dollars a month. No, no, you're not even making a hundred thousand a month. No, you can't go for my, no. Touch your neighbor and say you need to be realistic. Touch them. Church. For God to put on a lady's heart to say, instead of charging you a hundred and four thousand, I want to charge you thirteen thousand. I asked Reginald, I said, Reginald, could she? I said, who was this lady? He said, Well, she was a head lady in charge. My wife said, Send us some flowers. I said, I'll wait till after the project is over. Praise the Lord. <laughs> divine supply is always flowing because God always loves us but he needs our expectation of him being able to do it by activating our faith to get it done and our faith is exposed when we open our mouths up and begin to confess and 
Look at it like this. I want this to be the mental picture in your mind for the rest of the week. Divine supply is flowing. It's like a river. It's flowing. It's flowing. It's flowing. And so I begin to confess what God's word says. That he will supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He said, well, he would cause all favor and all sufficiency in all things to, to supply toward me. And so every time you are confessing, it's like dipping your hand in the river, pulling out what you need. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that they heard what the Spirit of God was saying. And I thank you in advance that you're ready, you're willing, and you're able to supply. It's already been done. And I thank you today that our faith that you've given us to live by will access every need that we will ever have in Jesus name with every head still bowed if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord